Unlock the past and safeguard your memories with ScanMyPhotos.com. Here's our special promo code, GoDigital, to get a whopping up to 50% off your photo scanning order. Don't let your cherished moments fade away. Digitize them now with precision and care. Whether it's old slides, photos, or films, bring them into the digital age and relive those precious memories. This is an affiliate promotion, meaning we may earn a commission if you take advantage of this fantastic deal. Act fast, preserve your history, and save big with Go Digital at ScanMyPhotos.com. Hi, I'm Maureen Taylor, the photo detective. I really love family photographs, all of them. From the mystery images you find in shoeboxes and albums, to the pictures you snap with your digital devices. No mystery is too small. A simple question about an image can lead to new stories of your ancestors. This means you can count on me to help you identify the people in them, offer solutions for preserving and organizing them, and yes, even guide you in the various ways to gather and share picture stories with your relatives. My guest today is Colin Musful. He runs a business called History Through Fiction. Colin, tell us something about yourself and thank you for being on The Photo Detective. Hi, Maureen. Thanks so much for having me. I am a an independent publisher from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah, and you work with writers of, yep, all, um, of all sorts. Well, I, I do freelancing, like freelance editing. So, you know, I, I work with writers in that way. And then also my company does traditional publishing. So I sign authors to contracts, pay them royalties and and get their books published. I help them publish their books, but it's just as much to help me because as the, the publisher, I get royalties on those as well. Yeah. So when did you start this business? I started it in 2019 at about the same time that I completed my MFA program. I started writing historical fiction over a decade ago and I found out pretty quickly that I didn't know enough about fiction and I had to go back to school to to learn more about the the craft elements of fiction and just how to use them in order to tell a story about history and, and keep readers engaged. So during my program, I also took a concentration in publishing because I had already done so much independent publishing and that seemed like the route I was I was headed. And one of the reasons I started the press was because I I would often get um, constructive criticism or even negative feedback about my fiction writing that it had too much nonfiction, too much informational text. I was also insistent on having some elements of nonfiction, like a bibliography in my fiction novels. And that's a big no, no, you know, I would submit to a publisher and they say, well, it's, it's okay, but you got to take the bibliography out. And I I'm still kind of adamant about the historical process and so I, I started history through fiction with the idea that fiction can have footnotes. That doesn't necessarily mean that our books have footnotes, but I don't think it's a great sin to put them in there. As long as you know enough about the elements of fiction to keep the reader engaged, you can still be transparent with readers about 
what your sources are and where you're getting your information. And when I read historical fiction, I always want to know what's fact and what's made up. And so I, I want our books to be transparent about that. So I combined all those things and I said, well, I'm going to just start my own press and publish the books that I want to publish. That's a very ambitious endeavor. Publishing is not for the weak hearted. Well, just like any author, when you first start out, you really, most authors aren't aware of of how tedious and challenging the process is. And I had a huge learning curve when I started writing a novel. I, I first started my first novel I started in 2010 and I quit my job and I just went for it and I had no idea what I was getting myself into. So the same kind of thing happened with starting my press. It's like trial and error. Um, I make some mistakes, but I have some successes and I try to just focus on those successes and move forward from there. Right. Well, you know, I'm with you on the reading historical fiction, wanting to know what is real and what is not. I mean, I'm a historian, right? I'm I'm picking it apart. Like, is that real? That doesn't seem real. Where did they find that information? And sometimes, occasionally, you'll get an author who has, you know, a little essay at the back of a book where they say, oh, you know, and this part is made up, but most of this is, you know, based on actual historical events. I mean, I think that's the appeal of historical fiction is to set yourself when you're reading back in the time when the book is set. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm with you on that. Maybe not a formal bibliography, but, you know, sure. definitely some notes about it. Well, there's definitely two different forms of historical research. There's the historical research where you're actually finding out certain dates and about events in your reading documents. But then there's a the historical research where you're finding about what kind of underwear people wore and what they did during the day. And did they have certain things or didn't they have certain things? And I guess I would say that I, um, I'm i more interested in historical fiction that's based on the uh, documented history. Not that, you know, the, the nice part about fiction is because you, you can bring out so much history that isn't documented. And that's kind of the point of it. But when I'm looking for books to publish, I'm not looking for ones that are just in a historical setting, but for books that are bringing out actual documented history that that I can go back and do research on if I wanted to. Yeah. So how many? So you started this in 2019. How mm-hmm. many books have you published to date? Because I mean, people don't understand how long it takes to get a book published. Right now, we're on a pace of just doing two a year: one in the spring, one in the fall, and. We have one coming out this March, with which I think will be our seventh, and then another coming out in the fall, and then another coming out next spring. And that's kind of the, the the pace I'm at right now. And not only does it take time, but it takes a ton of work. And at this point in the life of the press, I cannot afford to hire a full staff. So I would love to publish more than two books a year, but I don't have enough time and I don't have enough money. And so I'm kind of set at doing two a year while I continue to try to to grow the press. And as you mentioned, it does take a lot of time. And I've actually kind of learned not to rush the process because that only leads to mistakes. And so I try when I when I sign an author, you know, I'm thinking 15 months out. And and one part of that is you never really know how long the editing phase is going to take. And for I don't know if any if your listeners know this, but even once you get accepted for publication, the publisher is going to want to do an edit of the manuscript because 
It's not perfect. I mean, it's never going to be perfect, but the publisher also wants to make sure that it fits their readers and, you know, they'll want to do some editing to it. So the editing process doesn't usually take too long, but it's kind of one of those things where you're not sure how many back and forth will be. So I think about 12 to 15 months is sufficient when signing an author to actually getting it out to the release date. Mm, Yeah. And that's pretty quick. Yeah, traditional, the larger presses will take two, three years. But And one one advantage that I have as a small indie press is that I, I don't do offset printing. I do print on demand through Ingram Spark, and there's a lot of flexibility with that. And it kind of speeds up the process and takes the middleman out of it as far as warehousing and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've written quite a number of nonfiction books, and mm-hmm. so in all different ways like traditional publishing was the first book that took three years from the time I finished the manuscript till the book appeared in print mm-hmm. and then academic press and now I pretty much do print on demand it's definitely better and you can put the books in the hands of your members a little bit faster yeah. But I still work with editors and designers. I mean, you have to have a book that looks good and you always need somebody to proof it. Yeah. Because yeah. you you miss something every time. Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts and yeah, as far as finalizing the manuscript, I'm always amazed when I don't want to read something again. I just don't want to do it, but I have to make myself do it because you find things that you, your brain just missed, just completely glossed over. What What are your tricks for revise for reading and catching things? Well, I know a lot of people read out loud, to, but I cannot get myself to read a whole manuscript out loud. So it's just a matter for me of just reading slowly and making sure I comprehend each word, each sentence, each paragraph just concentrating as much as I can on it. Yeah. I'm not trying to rush myself. I do the reading out loud, but then I find, you know, you can only do that a couple of times before your brain fills in. You think is on the page. Sure. So I enlarge the font and I print it out. Okay. And I walk away for a little while so that my brain forgets to fill in words that aren't there and then that really helps but you know writing is a process editing is a process revising is a process and certainly publishing is a process so i mean you're you decide in 2019 you're going to start this press do you already have books authors that you want to work with i mean no, you- uh, it, it started with my own novel resisting removal and I, as an author, I already had a tagline that history through fiction was my tagline as an author. And so that seemed natural when I went on Ingram to give it an imprint name. I just went with that history through fiction. And that just got my mind going further down the line and why I decided to, well, create a website. I thought if there's going to be an imprint. I don't know about you, but I I do look up publishers. Uh, you know, when I read a book, I want to know who the publisher is. I know most readers probably don't even look at that, but I do look and I do search the internet to find out who the publisher is. And so I decided, well, I, I should probably have a website then for history through fiction if it's going to be the imprint. And then I just uh, yeah built the website up and put out a call for submissions. I think in 
probably September of 2019. And people found it. People sent it, sent in their manuscripts. And so it's just been a learning process from there. And you were inundated. I wouldn't say I was inundated, but I certainly had enough to comb through to find some quality submissions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you publish, so you do print, but also e-book? Yep. E-book, paperback, hardback. I haven't moved to audiobooks yet as, as much as I'd love to. I just can't justify the expense of it. Yeah. Yeah. You could have somebody read it. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got to find some voice talent. I mean, that's one thing I actually know would know how to do. And I'm sure you know, as a podcaster, how to edit audio and do sound design. So it's not like I couldn't do it, but it just wouldn't meet the standards of the industry. And and it is a, a few extra thousand dollars to find some voice talent and get it done right. Yeah. Yeah. Who are your favorite authors? Well, here in Minnesota, William Kent Kruger. I really like C.S. Lewis. I like Louise Erdrich, another Minnesota author. And just just about any historical fiction. I like nonfiction to reading more than I like fiction. But the last few years, I haven't had a chance to read any nonfiction or read anything that's not a, a manuscript or a book that I'm reviewing or blogging about or something. Yeah, I mean, you have a podcast now. Mm-hmm. And I see that you're getting authors on the podcast to talk about their books. And you're not just st- staying within the historical fiction. You had Wanda Morris, who writes th- thrillers. I guess you could call it a thriller. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a great book. I can't wait to read the new one. And what do you think about, I think of it as almost a new genre happening where a lot of historical fiction writers are now turning to narrative nonfiction. I think that's great. You know, I, I think because, I mean, we did a lot of this in my MFA program, and I, I was kind of irritated at first by creative nonfiction and narrative nonfiction, because it seems like it's fiction, <laughs> the way you do the wording. There's there's a book called Over the Earth I Come by Dwayne Schultz, and it's about the U.S.-Dakota War of 1862. And that's what I write about. That's what I study is the U.S.-Dakota War of 1862. Now, this book was back in the 90s, and it's as narrative nonfiction as it gets. It's really eloquent writing, but it's technically nonfiction. And that was that that was a brilliant book. And it, it was my, you know, when I first started researching on the U.S. Dakota War of 1862, that's what I relied on. So I think there is a way that you can make history really engaging instead of, you know, something that's maybe scholarly or academic. So you can you can reach some of those fiction readers with that the narrative nonfiction, as long as you know some of the the processes and some of the the ways to get around or wording, so that you do some creative imagining, but making sure you let the reader know, like this is what it might have been like for so and so on that day, because it's not fiction; it's narrative nonfiction. So I think it's a, a good way to go. It's just a challenging way to go as an author, kind of kind of crossing a boundary or or getting up to that line as far as fact versus fiction. Yeah, it's interesting. I had Matthew Pearl on the podcast in back in September, and mm-hmm. he has turned to narrative nonfiction. And there's sources in the back. <laughs> so you can you know follow what he's 
he's researched, which is kind of cool. There's an author that writes primarily for the genealogy community, Nathan Dylan Goodwin, and his books are heavily researched so that, you know, he creates these fictional characters that actually have family trees. <laughs> and he, he does all of that and he uses the forensic DNA stuff in there. So it's interesting to see what's happening with fiction, how varied it can really be. And I just want to say, say there sure are a lot of books set in World War II right now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, so speaking of which, I read a book called HHHH by Laurent Benet. It's metafiction. And it was fascinating. It was a World War II book, and he was following biographically the life of one of the Nazi officers. But at the same time, he was kind of sharing aspects of his life and what he was going through in his relationships and kind of going over where he went to do his research. And I really enjoyed it. And and I don't know how you familiar are with, with metafiction, but that was an int- interesting mixture of genres that he was able to accomplish. And I, I think in all of it, there there still is a certain responsibility on the reader. And I, I work in a high school, we teach social studies, and we teach critical thinking skills. And unfortunately, it's something that is kind of lacking nowadays with social media and people just taking things word for word. But I think there is still a responsibility on the reader to think critically about what they're reading, where it came from, what is the goal of the author, where can they find more information and those sorts of things. When you think about your publishing house, right, seven books, it's growing Mm -hmm. every year. Do you want to be known for a particular type of book, a particular type of historical fiction? Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of trying to create my own genre that's not quite historical fiction. That's history through fiction. So the books, the seven books that you've published, Mm -hmm. would you say they fit that genre for the most part? Yeah, uh, they they do. I will say that uh, the book we published in November of last year, My Mother's Secret by Alina Adams, that was a bit of a stretch for me. This was her second historical fiction novel. And she's better known for soap opera tie-in novels and figure skating mysteries. She's a very prolific, accomplished author. One Oakdale Confidential, it was a New York Times bestseller back in like 2008. And so her writing style is a little bit more, I guess, literary than what I'm looking for. But I, it, you know, is a decision I had to make as a publisher. I'm always trying to grow my audience and I'm trying to sell books. There's always a business element to the books I decide to publish. And Alina just has her, her stuff together. She knows what she's doing and she wrote a great book. And it is based on some fascinating history about the Jewish autonomous re- region of Birobijan in Russia and the Soviet Union during the 1930s. And I'm really glad that I published it because she's been great to work with. She's, you know, a full-time author as much as you can be. And that really helps on my end of things in order to get the book out there and find readers and continue to, to grow our audience. So I, I want to, uh, I want to know, you know, what my values are and stick to them. But there's a lot of different factors I have to think about when deciding what to publish. And I guess I can't say for sure in the future if I might have to 
expand on things, you know, to make sure that I can stay in business. So obviously, so we got two two camps here. If you're a reader and you love historical fiction, you should definitely check out History Through Fiction, your website, and see what the offerings are. Mm -hmm. They're very interesting. But if you're a writer and you're listening to this and you need help with the editing, or maybe you want to submit a proposal to Colin, how would someone contact you? Well, they can always email me at editor at historythroughfiction.com. Um, if you just go to our website, historythroughfiction.com, and go to the About Us tab, that's where you can find out what we're about, our mission, our values, and you can find a contact form there. You can find me on all social media platforms. Well, not all, but some of the major social media platforms. I'm even on TikTok. I'm embarrassed to say. And Don't be embarrassed. I'm on TikTok. Okay. <laughs> And then I also have an author website, colinmustrel.com, and you can find out anything you, you need to know about me and my writing and my work there. All right. Colin, thank you so much for being on The Photo Detective. I just know there are some writers in this listening audience. Great. Thanks, Maureen. Thanks. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media, leave me a rating and a review. And if you know of a friend or family member who's also interested in family photographs, share this episode with them too. I'm thrilled to be offering something new. Photo Investigations. These collaborative one-on-one -on -one sessions look at your family photos. You and I meet to discuss your mystery images and find out how each clue and hint might contribute to your family history. And trust me, these images can reveal so much in your research. I have decades of experience in the photo, genealogy, and history industries. This is your chance to learn from me and discover the stories in your family images. You can find out more by going to MaureenTaylor.com and clicking on Family Photo Investigations.